everyone, welcome. Welcome to Diverse Conversations with Ashka Patel. And today I'm very excited to welcome our guest, Dr. Dave Dixon. Dr. Dixon is an Associate Professor and Interim Department Chair at Virginia Commonwealth University School of Pharmacy in Richmond, Virginia. He is also co-director of the school Center for Pharmacy Practice Innovation, which aims to be a leader in transforming ambulatory and community pharmacy practice and advancing pharmacists' roles on patient-centered collaborative care teams. His clinical background is in cardiovascular pharmacotherapy and ambulatory care uh, pharmacy practice. His research interests include team-based um, care for managing cardiovascular risk factors, hypertension, and dyslipidemia. Dr. Dixon is a fellow of the American College of Cardiology, the National Lipid Association, and the American College of Clinical Pharmacy. Thank you so much, Dr. Dixon, for joining us for this conversation today. It's a pleasure to have you, and I'm actually very excited to learn more about the incredible work that you're doing um, at the Center for Pharmacy Practice at VCU. Um, and you know, thank you again for making the time to join this conversation. Sure, absolutely. Uh, it's pleasure's all mine. Thank you very much. And I guess to get the conversation started, it's always a, a great um, inspiration when we hear of pharmacists who are doing such, um, you know, non-traditional at the same time, such innovative, like, you know, they're part of such innovative roles and settings. I would love to hear your story in terms of, you know, how you started from being a pharmacist to where you are now. And if you could shed some light on that, please. Sure. Uh, so my interest in pharmacy actually started in high school. So I got a job at a local pharmacy. I knew I wanted to go into healthcare. I knew I didn't want to be a physician. I didn't like all of the, uh, the blood and, and the guts and the, the, the details of all that, uh, but definitely had a passion and interest for, for chemistry and biology. And so uh, ended up getting a little pharmacy experience at a community pharmacy and going to uh, pharmacy school at Campbell University uh, College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences uh, in North Carolina. And while I was there, I uh, really got interested in cardiovascular disease uh, and the medications we use to treat cardiovascular disease, uh, as well as diabetes. And I really wanted to, uh, you know, go in a slightly different direction than I had originally planned, uh, which was to actually own my own pharmacy uh, and to be in a role where I could work alongside other healthcare professionals, you know, at the point of care uh, to really kind of drive and inform uh, best practices in terms of the use of medications to manage chronic disease. And that's when I learned about ambulatory care uh, as, a, as an area of practice and a setting. Uh, I was very fortunate to uh, do a PGY-1 residency at the Asheville VA Medical Center uh, in North Carolina. And after that, I spent four years at Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. And that's really where I kind of learned the ropes of creating new services, developing, create, you know, implementing services uh, to improve chronic disease. And based on my experience there and, and everything, I decided to, to make the leap into academia. And uh, I've been at BCU uh, what will be 10 years uh, this January. That's fantastic. Incredible. And again, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, the inspiration is obviously there in your journey because, um, you know, I think I was in a similar road where I was set, like, you know, community pharmacy was my calling. And then, you know, as you go through the years of being in practice, you realize that you, you want to explore other um, um, interests and, you know, it leads you to new paths. And, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm super excited to also learn a little bit more about, you know, the VCU Center for Pharmacy um, Practice Innovation. And, you know, how does it assist in supporting initiatives and innovations in pharmacy practice? Sure. So we recognized, uh, actually, that we, we held a, a conference here in our state mm -hmm. uh, and brought in key stakeholders and really tried to learn uh, what was going on in pharmacy practice in the state of Virginia, but also where did we need to go? 
And what grew out of those conversations was this idea of creating a center that would pull our faculty uh, that, that were really interested in, you know, dedicated to moving the profession forward. Uh, and, and so through the center, uh, we, we have about 10 kind of external collaborative partners, including community pharmacies, as well as a couple of different health systems in the area. And that allows us to uh, work with partners to figure out what are their issues? Like why, why, what are the struggles with trying to implement new services? What are your uh, problems that you feel like there might be a pharmacist-based solution for? Uh, and then once we figure that out, it makes it a little bit easier to the, you know, start to have conversations. We bring our expertise of research, clinical practice, but also experience in implementing new services uh, and partnering with um, our external partners uh, to help them create, establish new services, but also help to evaluate them and help to disseminate all of the great work that they're doing. Uh, so it's really a, a collaborative uh, relationship. Uh, we really let or ask the partners to, to drive a lot of the uh, things that we do. Uh, we also have our own ideas and we'll you know tap, reach out to our partners and, and see if there's interest. Uh, right. So it's a, it's a really great relationship. Oh, that's fantastic. And I mean, I'm, so I am um, based in, in Toronto in Canada and, you know, it, it's uh, the whole Center for Pharmacy Innovation is still a fairly new idea for us, um, at least to my knowledge and understanding. And, you know, it, what, I've, what I'm really hearing is that, you know, this is actually taking the process of innovation a little upstream where you're now collaborating mm -hmm. before actually implementing innovation, which I think speaks volumes to the need to have all stakeholders come to a common table and discuss the challenges before actually, you know, implementing those changes, because uh, that can avoid a lot of hurdles we see down the road. Um, and I think that kind of leads me to my next question. Um, so, you know, as director of the Center for Pharmacy Innovation, and how do you describe the current pharmacy innovation landscape? And, you know, where do you see it going moving forward? Uh, I think it's really exciting. Uh, I think there are a lot of great things going on in the community uh, arena, uh, I think one of the silver linings of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, is, you know, the, uh, these opportunities, right, for pharmacists and, to really shine in terms of uh, providing access to vaccines, uh, dealing with issues around misinformation about vaccines, uh, and really that, that public health role that the community pharmacist has, I think, historically uh, had uh, is really, I think, going to be an emphasis moving forward, because I think at the federal and the state level, uh, there's been increased recognition that, wow, you know, these pharmacists can really help us with implementing uh, our public health initiatives, uh, not, not just related to COVID-19, but for other issues down the road. Uh, and I would also say that uh, for the clinic-based pharmacists, you know, there continues to be uh, growing opportunities as, you know, drug therapy is really advancing beyond just small molecules that we take, you know, through a, a daily tablet or capsule, uh, monoclonal antibodies, uh, you know, small interfering RNA type medications, uh, the therapeutics that we're using are changing rapidly. And I think that's going to create, uh, you know, some increased demand uh, for pharmacists to be involved in the decision-making of what's an appropriate candidate for some of those medications, uh, as well as ensuring the safe and effective use of those medications. So I'm excited. We definitely have challenges, but I'm, I'm excited for what the next, uh, you know, 10 plus years looks like. 
for sure. And you, you actually hit it right. Um, like, you know, pharmacists always been recognized as the medication experts, but I think moving forward, just the innovation we're having in drug delivery, um, also mm -hmm. just like in the drug innovation space, you know, I think we can truly pull that weight and be like, you know, we are here to help you decide what's the best course to move forward. Because I think moving forward, it's no longer just like, you know, pharmacotherapy versus non-pharmacotherapy. We also are dealing with digital therapeutics and all of the other um, mm -hmm. emerging um, new new emerging uh, ways of how we're delivering medications. So, so true. Um, and with that, I guess since we're talking of trends, um, you know, what are some trends in pharmacy innovation to watch out for um, or, you know, that hold a promise for the long run? Yeah, so you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit in mentioning digital therapeutics. You know, I think we're on the verge of, you know, a major revolution when it comes to uh, you know, what do we do with big data? What do we do with all of the data that our patients in the future are going to have? Mm -hmm. uh, how do we collect that data? Uh, how do we get that data to the point of care so that it can be used to inform clinical decision-making? Uh, I, I think that is really, it really has the potential to transform healthcare uh, down the road. Uh, high blood pressure, right? Uh, managing high blood pressure really relies on uh, blood pressure measurements outside of the clinic setting. We've known that, but now we really know that and it's yeah. emphasized in our practice guidelines. Uh, and the days of our patients, you know, bringing in the scraps of paper with the readings written down or mm -hmm. trying to recall it from memory. Uh, I, I think those, uh, you know, I think those issues can be solved uh, by having robust remote patient monitoring programs and other types of digital health programs where that data is being collected in real time. Uh, and then the team uh, can actually evaluate that data and make therapeutic changes uh, in between those face-to-face -face or in-person visits. Could some of this care be delivered virtually? Uh, I think we've been able to test the waters a little bit with COVID. Uh, I think there's, we still have a little ways to go in terms of figuring out the best way to implement it and some of our patients are still a little bit reluctant uh, and, and providers, and, and I'll say that, even providers and pharmacists are reluctant to, to go down this road of the virtual visits and, and the digital kind of era uh, that we're, we're really already in. Uh, but I think that is really gonna take off uh, over the next 10 plus years. Fantastic. And um, well, uh, since we're talking of virtual care um, and remote monitoring, like, you know, where, where do you see that in, fit in in terms of the pharmacy innovation landscape? Yeah, so I think for, you know, what, what I'm seeing and hearing, at least, especially with the, the large chain pharmacy groups that we have here in the United States, mm -hmm. uh, is a push for pharmacies to really evolve to become primary care homes. And so I could see that, you know, the, the, the pharmacy could serve as a hub for a community in terms of an access point for care, uh, the remote patient monitoring, where's all that data going? I, I think the, the pharmacy hubs, those primary care hubs could potentially uh, serve as uh, a, a conduit for that data to flow through. And mm -hmm. you know, how we, we piece all this together is gonna be the, the challenge. How do we make sure that information is shared with all of the providers taking care of the patients, including the pharmacists? Yeah. Uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that we still have to, to work through. Uh, but I do think that there's an opportunity for pharmacies to, to play a role in that, uh, you know, that collection of data and, and even the utilization of that data uh, to, to make therapeutic interventions as well. 
For sure, for sure. And you had alluded to a little bit earlier in that, you know, there are all there are some challenges that we do face, you know, when we're trying to innovate within the, uh, the pharmacy space and even in healthcare space in general, uh, you know, from your own experience and like, you know, your work so far, what can we do or how can we promote innovation within our community? And, you know, if there are any resources you would like to highlight for somebody who's kind of making a first go at it. Yeah, so... I don't think it, it's a mindset that most people who go into pharmacy uh, necessarily have, yeah. uh, right? Uh, Agreed. Individuals go into pharmacy, you know, and I can speak for, for probably, uh, you know, at least for myself, uh, that, you know, we tend to be rule followers. Uh, we yeah. tend to uh, be a bit of a perfectionist. Uh, and with innovation, you really, you have to be willing to fail. Yeah. And you have to be willing to go, you know, outside of the normal lanes, uh, and realize that, you know, you know, you may have to try 10 or 12 different innovations to find that one that's actually going to work. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's that change in mind and mindset. Uh, I definitely think that our professional organizations are beginning to recognize this. You know, there are some resources available. Our annual meetings are starting to have more content around this area. Uh, and, you know, even outside of pharmacy, you can find online courses and even certificate programs now through a lot of different online uh, programs, uh, even universities. I know Harvard actually has a number of kind of business and entrepreneurial programs uh, that are at least out there that I think, it, you know, are types of things, of things that practicing pharmacists might need to consider. And as far as our graduates and our current, you know, PharmD programs, I think we really have to evaluate, uh, you know, how we're teaching these skills and how we can do a better job of helping students think this way, uh, you know, innovatively with an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, helping them understand the business side of healthcare, uh, as well as the policy side, because so much of pharmacy innovation, at the end of the day, it comes down to policy. And if we can't move the needle on the policy to, you know, either change scope of practice laws or reimbursement regulations, then these innovations are gonna have a hard time uh, really uh, becoming widespread and, and commonplace. And, and so I think those are some of the things that I think about and, and kind of the way that I look at this, but uh, it's definitely something that takes some time to develop that skill I <laughs> and agree. that way of thinking. <laughs> I, I agree with you completely on that one. And obviously, as you rightly said, you know, I think when you are a healthcare provider, we do, uh, we do have carry a very, uh, very focused, laser-focused perspective in terms of, you know, what our career paths may look like. Um, and we usually kind of shut off all the other possibilities until we hit those roadblocks in our career and our journey. Um, and with that, um, you know, I guess you must come across a lot of ideas and entrepreneurs and innovators who are looking to bring about change. What are some barriers or challenges, um, you know, that are usually like the common theme um, that they're usually encountered? Yeah, so I think one of them would be uh, having an idea uh, that from maybe your perspective sounds great. So on the pharmacy end of things, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then trying to move forward without thinking through and asking yourself, what other uh, individuals might this impact? So obviously it's gonna impact the physician or the advanced practice provider taking care of that patient. It's gonna impact the patient. <laughs> Does the patient want to do this? Uh, do they want to go to the pharmacy to get their vaccines? Well, nowadays, that's not a big deal. But if we look back in time, 
eh, that took a little time for patients to get used to that. And same right. thing with our medical providers. Uh, whereas now, you know, for my, even my own kids, uh, my pediatric office just really pushes us, just go to the pharmacy and get it. You know, don't even bother with us. And <laughs> that wasn't the way it was, you know, 10, 10 plus years ago. Um, and uh, so that's one thing. So I think, you know, making sure that whatever idea you have, that you think about who are the stakeholders, who is it going to impact, and bringing them in early uh, to have some conversations uh, can go a long way to preventing some issues down the road. Uh, but I think probably the biggest issue by far is how to make these innovations sustainable. Uh, you know, in the United States, we've had uh, quite a bit of advancement at the state level in terms of pharmacist scope of practice, prescribing privileges, but there really haven't been clear uh, mechanisms in place necessarily to actually get reimbursed for the services being provided. And so I think for, for pharmacy, that's really the next big hurdle. And there's been some progress at the state levels. And that's really where uh, that's kind of been the most effective approach, because at least here in the United States, ultimately, we would need change uh, at the federal level uh, to really just open things up widely and, you know, uh, getting anything through uh, Congress nowadays here in the United States is not uh, necessarily easy to do. Um, and so I, I think that that's uh, another big factor. And maybe the last thing that the COVID pandemic especially has, I think, really brought to light uh, is just the burnout and frustration uh, that's occurring in different areas of pharmacy. Uh, if you're having such a hard time just managing the status quo, right? There's not that extra margin or space to start a new service or to be a site to test out a new innovation because you're barely keeping your head above water. Uh, and so, yeah, th those are just a handful of the things that I would put out there. I, I agree. And I mean, uh, you have um, you have addressed quite a few and I think they're all relevant even to the Canadian landscape as we, we share sure. like, you know, the same challenges even on the Canadian side of um, the border and, you know, reimbursement, I think, continues to be a challenge. And I think moving forward after post pandemic, I feel like that is going to be one of the biggest hurdles that we may need to think of, um, especially with the budget deficits and everything else, you know, mm -hmm. when you have a government who's providing reimbursement for your services, you have to be mindful of how resource allocation is going to take place post-pandemic. Um, that is, those are some great insights, and thank you so much for sharing those, because uh, it gives me a little bit of, um, I guess, reassurance to know that we are not the only ones, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it also makes me question, you know, how can we uh, overcome these challenges together? And, you know, it's uh, one of the things that um, I'm trying to explore through such conversations is, you know, what does a collaboration look like for both, the, both Canada and U.S. to move forward and, like, you know, advocating our profession and, like, you know, creating that uh, harmonized scope and hopefully uh, branding for pharmacy that, you know, kind of allows us to leverage that brand to further promote what we have to offer uh, to our patients, mm -hmm. right? Uh, with that yeah. said, um, how do you, how does a current practicing pharmacist, um, you had alluded to this a little earlier where, you know, burnout is, is significant. Um, if a pharmacist is wanting to make a switch and, you know, become a startup or an innovator or start a startup, how, how do they go about it? Any, any tips that you could provide to our audience for that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I would say that where the, the need is, we're, I would say we're a little behind in terms of having the right resources. Uh, mm -hmm. We've had some conversations here uh, about potentially, you know, creating some kind of program or, or certificate. Uh, there's been a big kind of increase in interest uh, or growth, I should say, in 
uh, online what we call like digital badges in different areas. And that's mm -hmm. now becoming, uh, it, you know, it, it's becoming a recognized commodity, especially yeah. in the, the technology and health innovation space. Uh, Google and other companies, you know, they're pretty much, uh, you know, training folks uh, themselves, right? Yeah. And so uh, I think that there's maybe an opportunity there uh, to think about that, uh, realizing that, you know, our, our colleges and schools of pharmacy uh, may not necessarily be able to provide all of that, especially for practicing pharmacists yeah. who are already out there who are looking to make the change. That's the group that you know, I think we we have a ways to go in terms of helping those individuals make pivots and, and transitions in their careers, mm -hmm. because right now it is very uh, just kind of organic. It's, you know, the connections you might have uh, and it's, oh, I could go get an MBA. Well, that's going to be uh, expensive and <laughs> it's going to take time. And if you're already stressed and burnt out, that may not solve that problem. Uh, if you've got a family, you know, that's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the, the kind of old way of thinking about, oh, I got to go get a degree. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that to some degree might be replaced in the future with some of these ideas around digital badges or certificates and other kinds of uh, programs. Uh, so there are definitely digital health technology related startups out there. Uh, that are realizing the value of adding a pharmacist, uh, especially if their company is dealing with medication-related issues. They've got all the technology knowledge in the world, but if they don't understand uh, how pharmacy practice in the healthcare system works, uh, they're going to have a hard time with implementation. So I do know colleagues. I have colleagues that you know they're they pivoted. You know they're working with startups. Uh, they're uh, involved in some of the, these kinds of uh, opportunities. And it's going to be exciting to watch. I, I think there are more opportunities than people probably are aware of. Um, but I would agree that we definitely need more resources and need to think strategically about how to help folks make that transition. Fantastic. Um, and I guess with that, since we're talking of like, you know, um, choosing career paths and, and navigating change, um, you know, what are some new and emerging roles you see being created for pharmacists, um, especially pharmacists in like the next five to 10 years? Yeah, so as I mentioned, I think the, the startups, you know, that are gonna be looking for individuals to provide that clinical expertise or potentially even run a clinical team uh, that kind of helps, you know, manage that part of their, uh, their innovation. Right. Uh, certainly is important. Uh, the public health role uh, is, I think something that's that really has a lot of potential, and I think that uh, pharmacist involvement uh, with local health departments at the state level and even federal level, I think those opportunities are going to increase. We've always had opportunities for pharmacists to work, uh, you know, with either the FDA or the CDC, but I think at a more um, local level, uh, increased recognition of the important role of pharmacists in emergency preparedness, public health, vaccine access and administration, uh, you know, is really going to create some opportunities, I feel like, in the, in the coming years. And then with the specialty practices, uh, specialty areas clinically, that medication regimens are not getting less complex. Uh, and I can certainly see where, you know, we've had some there's been some controversy and disagreements in the past about how specialized should the profession of pharmacy be. Uh, but I think we're at a point where we kind of need to be. I think it's very difficult to be a generalist practitioner 
Uh, and especially if you look, you know, 10 years plus down the road, uh, these areas such as oncology, uh, even cardiology now is getting super complex. Exactly. Uh, it's really going to require a different skill set than what can just be provided uh, in a doctor of pharmacy curriculum. I agree. I agree. Um, and it's kind of similar to, you know, how we had seen the hospital pharmacist role become specialized in different niches, depending on, you know, what their area focus was. And I feel like that would be kind of like the model that you would need to kind of replicate to the community side and, and just a profession in general. And I mean, I, I really admire the way American um, pharmacy, like the college has like, you know, different certifications available for different um, specialties, which is something we need to work on a little bit here in Canada, because we do not have that distinction quite yet. But I, I agree, like I do feel like the roles of pharmacists would become fairly specialized, depending on where you choose to practice. Um, with that said, you know, how do you describe the future of pharmacy in the next five, five to 10 years? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to look uh, much different. Uh, I think in terms of community practice, I can see certainly the role of the pharmacy technician uh, changing. Uh, if, if pharmacists are going to carry the responsibility of potentially prescribing, uh, you know, doing uh, rapid influenza tests and potentially treating those patients or urinary tract infections, those kinds of primary care related things, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to need to, you know, hand off some of those dispensing duties uh, to pharmacy technicians uh, yeah. and give them some greater responsibility. That's not going to be easy because we're going to also have to improve the training that they receive. And that's going to come with higher pay, right? Okay. Uh, I, I, it's not going to be uh, fair uh, to pay them what they're currently making and expect, you know, this higher kind of uh, function. So that's going to be some growing pains that I think we're going to experience uh, in the coming years as that transition uh, kind of takes place. Um, and in terms of uh, clinical practice and kind of the clinic setting, uh, I, I think we'll still continue to see growth uh, in the inventory care space. Uh, I think specialist uh, providers in particular uh, are really, you know, getting accustomed to being trained uh, in working with pharmacists. Uh, they're accustomed to, to having that resource. And I can think of some other physician colleagues that have changed institutions and they've gone in and they've, they've gone and say, yeah, I'm happy to come start this program here, but you're going to have to make sure I've got a clinical pharmacist with me. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> That to me tells us that we're really starting to get to a place uh, of where, you know, looking down the road, uh, that the presence of a pharmacist in a clinic will not be unusual. Because as much as we all recognize colleagues and places that have pharmacists in a clinic setting, that is by no means the norm uh, in most institutions, particularly outside of academic medical centers, outside of the VA healthcare system, or some of our other kind of managed care systems, at least here in the United States. Okay. Uh, so I'd really like to see that be the norm. Uh, I'd really like to encounter patients who uh, are not surprised that their visits with a clinical pharmacist, that they're like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. uh, that it's not a surprise to them. That, that to me would be uh, a great goal. And and that just brings me to, to bring up another issue that we have to address, and that's just increasing uh, public awareness and knowledge of, of what pharmacists do. Um, and there, it's not that there's, uh, no one's ashamed of the past and the history of the profession of pharmacy. Uh, it, we're a diverse profession, but fundamentally all very much the same, very much focused on improving medication outcomes for patients. Uh, and uh, but at the same time, you know, there, there are different roles and 
uh, we've got to work harder to make sure the public is aware of that. I agree. I agree. I mean, we need to definitely like make sure that the image that's kind of ingrained and inherently like that first image that comes up as a pharmacist counting pills, right? Anytime a mention of pharmacists is being made. And I agree with you, like we need to change that narrative, not necessarily because we are embarrassed by it, but more so because we do offer so much more now and moving forward, we're going to offer more and more clinical um, services to our patients. Um, and I just yeah. to wrap up our conversation, because this has been fantastic, you've shared some great insights in terms of, you know, innovation and, you know, where, how do we navigate it? Because I think it's always great to hear leaders who are trying to, um, you know, make that change to for us, like, you know, who are on the front lines may not necessarily have all this information to truly understand and appreciate the work that goes in the background. Um, so I thank you for that. And to wrap up the conversation, one advice for pharmacists as we prepare for the future. Yeah, so flex those creative and innovative muscles. Uh, right. You know, there are, you know, I think, again, that's it's a mindset, it's a change in how we think about things. Uh, I think it's where uh, you know, getting outside of the pharmacy bubble, uh, talking to uh, other healthcare professionals, talking to our patients, uh, kind of understanding what the needs are and, you know, being willing and, and brave enough to, to come up with some solutions. Um, we have many problems in, problems in healthcare. Uh, yeah. New drug therapies, that's not going to solve all of our issues, right? Because we have new drug therapies all the time and we still see that it takes... Uh, 17 to plus years for practice guidelines to be fully implemented into clinical practice. Um, and we have issues around access to care. We have issues around uh, disparities in care, inequity, which has certainly been uh, even more highlighted uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, and I think pharmacy has a real opportunity to, to lead in some of these efforts, um, but it's going to require us to kind of to step up uh, step up into some roles that maybe traditionally we've not been comfortable being in right. uh, and realizing that it is going to take the contra major contributions from everyone, uh, not just to move the profession forward, but to solve all these you know, major issues that we have uh, in healthcare uh, and those to come that we don't know about yet. <laughs> For sure, for sure. And with that said, um, I think um, I always am being mindful of the current students who, who will soon be joining our profession in, in the near, very near future. Um, and I know you work very closely with them um, through your mm -hmm. work. Um, one advice for our current students and graduates who are about to enter the profession? I would say be very open-minded uh, in terms of the uh, opportunities that you're going to consider uh, after you graduate. Uh, you know, I think traditionally, and most students come into a PharmD program, and they think of community practice, they think of hospital pharmacy, maybe industry, you know, mm -hmm. maybe pharmaceutical companies, you know, there's some a, a knowledge and awareness that that's an option. Right. Uh, but we have a, you know, a lot of work to do to make our students more aware of the opportunities, uh, and to encourage them to pursue those. So that means, you uh, helping them understand, you know, what those opportunities are, uh, what skills they're going to need. Uh, and, you know, to students, I would say, you know, if you have an interest in technology and digital health, great. You can take that PharmD and that interest and really do some really cool stuff. Uh, and uh, entrepreneurship, business, you know, all of that, uh, I think is going to be great. And I think a lot of our PharmD programs uh, should certainly look at, uh, recruiting future students, you know, beyond just the hardcore sciences, because those individuals with that interest and skill set uh, in, in business, 
uh, technology, uh, you know, may really create some interesting opportunities down the road. So yeah, be open-minded, think beyond kind of traditional pharmacy roles. Uh, don't be afraid to, to reach out and ask for uh, advice. Uh, you know, social media makes our world much smaller. Uh, I did a talk yesterday for our, uh, some of our students on using Twitter and, and professional networking. Uh, the worst that someone you know, can say is no or not respond at all. Uh, and so don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, and if you see someone out there with a career that, you know, you would like to emulate or, uh, that you'd really admire, reach out to them. Um, it, it's something that I think students don't do enough. So. I agree. I agree. And I mean, to be honest, like that's how we connected <laughs> was through LinkedIn. And, um, you know, I, I, I thank you for, you know, taking up, you know, giving me this opportunity to have this conversation with you because sure. trust me, like, you know, it has been. Your insights have been incredible. And I think, um, you know, the perspective you bring to this conversation is very unique in the sense that you are at the forefront of innovation, where you're trying to work with all these stakeholders to, you know, navigate change and bring in that much needed innovation, but at the same time, you know, balancing the, the scales, right? Um, and it's never easy to do that work. And, but thank you so much for sharing those insights, because I think I learned a lot from this conversation for sure. And uh, I'm certain that the audience will be listening in will also learn um, just as much, if not more. Um, and I'll be, I'm sure, you know, they can always reach out to you if should they have any questions. Um, um, you know, I'm definitely happy to link your information um, with this, uh, with this video so that they would have that. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, this was a great conversation. It was a pleasure having you. And um, thank you so much for sharing those incredible insights with us today. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. With that, we're going to end this episode right here. Uh, be sure to tune in for our next episode next week. Thanks. Bye.